awesome to be together today, and uh, it's just great to be together every week. I'm particularly excited today as we start our series called, What's Your Story? And the idea that every one of us is writing a story for God or for ourselves, but we're, we're writing something about our lives. When someone would come up to you and just ask you, you know, who are you? What's your name? Where you come from? What are you all about? What is your, what direction are you going in your life? You would have something to share. Even if you're shy, you would have something to say, right? And so I'm excited that during this series over the next about eight weeks, we're going to talk about Jesus meeting people for the very first time and interrupting their story to continue on with his story. So they're going about their own business going through life. Some of them are seeking Jesus. Some of them are not. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes up and puts himself into their lives in an unforgettable way, some way that they could never forget. And then their lives are forever changed afterwards. That they, most of them, if you read the Bible, some of them decide that, hey, I don't really, I'm not really good on your story, Jesus. I'm going to keep going with my own story. That's a choice. And a lot of them that we're going to read about, and if they're recorded in the Gospels, most of them are the ones that said yes. Okay, that's more inspiring. So we're going to look at some people who said yes to Jesus. And turn over to John chapter 7. And the title today is The God of Second Chances. That's a great story. That's a great theme right there. God gives us all second, third, fourth, fifth, a hundred chances sometimes to be able to follow him. He's a God of hope. And in John chapter 7, we're going to read a story about a woman who got a second chance. It says, They all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Wow, what a powerful moment that Jesus is teaching in the temple kind of like this. And then all of a sudden this crowd comes in and throws a woman down and makes her stand in front of all of you and say, look, Jesus, she was just caught in the act of adultery. I mean, we didn't just prove it. We were we actually saw it. What are we going to do? I mean, how humiliating to begin with. And Jesus says a few things that we learn, a few things that we learn from this passage before we get to hear from our guests. Point number one, 
Jesus says, okay, if you're clean, then you throw the first stone. If you're perfect, then here's, here's a rock, you throw it. And imagine Jesus standing up for this woman who is totally caught in sin. And he is confronting the leaders of the day and basically reminding them, guess what? Sin is sin. We're all guilty. Or he, as Jesus could say, you're all guilty. But as I'll say, we're all guilty of sin. We all deserve that same punishment that they were trying to give to her. But Jesus made the point. There is a place for judging, but only with a broken heart and tears. They're making her story a chance for political gain. To get back at Jesus. If he says, let's kill her, then he's in trouble with Rome. If he says, let her go, then he's in trouble with the Jews who hold to the law. But Jesus reminds us a very important lesson that we all need to be saved. Sometimes after we go along for a while, we forget and we think we're pretty good and we're all this or we're all that. And we can start to have that same spirit towards others. When we start to think, I can't believe you did that. Or we watch the news and we go, man, this world is a mess. These people are a bunch of losers. You've not said that? (laughs) See, it's easy for us to lose the perspective that that's me and that's you. And Jesus is the one that protects us from what we deserve. Let's not be the church that throws stones. Because you can't help someone and throw a stone at them at the same time. You've got to pick one. Either help them or hurt them. Let's be a church that helps. And when we do show people the word, let's do it with a broken heart. Man, this is a, this is a tough, should be a hard thing to do, not an easy thing. Point number two. Jesus said that he came to save and not condemn. In John 3, he says he came to save the world and not condemn the world. Jesus already knew that the world was condemned. He didn't have to come here to tell them that. They already knew that. You could look around and see that. But Jesus came to give people hope. That's why people flocked to Jesus. Because he gave them hope. He gave them a chance to change. I don't know why he started writing on the ground as the woman was there. It's kind of a weird thing to do. Someone asks you a question and you just start. Oh, you, you were saying something? That shows the humility of Jesus. I can imagine, I don't know why he did it, but maybe it was to save her dignity. That he didn't even make eye contact with her. Just so she wouldn't have to feel bad. I don't know. But that was his heart of, of gentleness and of, of love. You know, some think that he was maybe writing the names of his accusers on the ground. Imagine that. Oh, what's he writing? Louis Moya. <laughs> You know, Carlos Iniguez. 
I can see him even back there. Or maybe he was writing their sins down. Self-righteousness. Pride. I don't know what it was, but it would be pretty cool to see someday. To, what, what were you writing there? Yeah. But one by one, then walking away. You know, is that our heart to save people's souls? You know, as a church this week, was that your heart? That's our purpose. That's our mission in this life. But this week, was that your heart? Man, I got to save somebody's soul. I got to help them to get out of sin. I got to do whatever it takes to get someone around the word. I want to get someone to be at church, maybe. And man, this for me this week is it's so easy to get busy doing whatever the heck that we're doing. And we forget the only thing that matters is if that person, if people are getting saved and getting to know God or not. And I don't know about you, but for me, it takes a hundred percent effort to reach out to someone to try to help them come to church. It's not something that I do in my spare time. But it's something that's got to be on my heart passionately or I won't do it. I'll just be honest with you. I've showed up to church a lot of times and said, oh, wow, I really wish I should have invited someone this week. That would have been pretty cool. I think they probably would have got a lot out of it. And I realized, man, if I don't fight for it, then I just give up. Today, this morning, I was, I was out of town. I was at my brother's thing this weekend. This morning, I was... Texting probably 30 people. You got to come. You're going to like this. This is why. This is, you know, come on. And I, you know, I don't even know if anybody's here, but I just said, man, I can't just show up at church week after week after week and just come to church. That Jesus was about saving people's souls. And I don't say that to condemn you. I'm trying to help you. It is exciting when you get to share the word with somebody. When you get to see somebody change, man, there's no amount of work that you don't even care about that. When you, when you see people change. Yeah. Jesus came to save, not condemn. Point number three. He gave this woman hope and gave her a, a, asked her a question of whether she was going to change or not. I mean, he didn't just pull down her... Uh, he didn't just... Tony and Debbie are coming up to sit down. She, he didn't just say, it's, oh, it's okay that you did that. That was all right. I don't mind. But he said, go and leave your life of sin. And she left that conversation feeling, wow, I was saved. I should have, I should have died today. And now I'm left with this question. Imagine her, she's running away like, yes, I'm saved. I can't believe it. This guy, Jesus, he told me, you know, he dealt with all the guys and they threw their stones down and it was amazing. And then he said, I need to leave my life of sin. Wow. Probably started to hit in, sink in after she's walking away like, wow, how am I going to do that? But Jesus said that I could. She probably saw many miracles that he did, but none quite like that. 
And so I'm excited today to introduce to you uh, some of our friends and our speakers here. Let me get my seat out. But Tony and Debbie Scott, we met about eight years ago in Orange County. And uh, we started, a, as they were starting their journey with God. Hey, guys. <laughs> and uh, they, when I first met these guys, they were pretty intimidating people. You know, uh, they don't look very intimidating, do they? <laughs> but I started learning about Tony's uh, job here, and he worked for the government for 40 years and recently retired. And when he, he, he uh, worked for Immigration and Customs and, you know, had some amazing uh, accomplishments in his career. One of them, he was telling us that he recovered $50 million of illegal money that was going to Mexico. And uh, he's got a picture of himself, like, laying down on the money. Uh, Superman, Superman style. Uh, when we were studying the Bible, we, he has a picture. He's kind of knelt down on on top of this whole big pile of marijuana that they had busted. And uh, it was just pretty cool. And you're like, wow, you're going in to study the Bible, and you see, like, wow, this guy is serious. Uh, (laughs) He has guns. Um, And uh, when he retired, uh, he was the assistant special agent in charge for for national security and counterterrorism in Southern California. Basically, number three guy in Southern California and the first African-American to hold that position. And so, quite an amazing person, but believe it or not, that's not why he's here today, because of that. He's here because of his interaction with Jesus and his response to him. And his wife is also intimidating. (laughs) Although she's the sweeter one. She is. She's the sweetest person you'll meet. Uh, she owns a company called Omega CHB International, uh, a licensed and bonded customs business. They have about a thousand customers, and they do they import tens of billion dollars of merchandise every year. That's billions with a B. And so uh, she could teach a class on business, but that's not why she's here today either. Uh, it's because of her response and her. Uh, her story being changed by Jesus. And uh, so, guys, maybe you can start out and just kind of introduce yourself and start off your story. Okay, my name is Anthony Scott. Um, I was baptized in... Uh, oh, it's on. Yeah, in 2010, uh, Scott said I uh, enjoyed a very prosperous career in law enforcement. Um I dedicated myself to my craft so much so that it started to impact uh, how I related to my wife and and my family. Um, It was, uh, there came a period within about the seven year mark in a 32 year relationship where I didn't feel like I was being respected. I'd go to work and haul these beer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They'd give me coffee and everything. But I would come home, and uh, I didn't really feel respected at home. And I literally learned that uh, while I wasn't feeling respected, Debbie wasn't feeling loved. And so what happened within that seven-year window was we sought and looked for that comfort, those things that we were missing in the arms of other people. 
There was infidelity in our relationship. And uh, we realized that trying to navigate life on our own does not work. And what we did was uh, we got into a Bible study, and uh, God completely changed our hearts. And uh, as a result of that, we're here today. Amen. 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 And that's awesome. Gibby, you want to add anything? Um, well, I can go a little bit deeper. Um, our son was, I, I know that it's okay for me to share this with you because he knows we're coming here and I told him. But <laughs> he uh, was going to Cal State Fullerton and um, he was actually looking for somebody to buy, trying to find someone that sold marijuana. And he found a gentleman that asked him to study the Bible <laughs> instead. So <laughs> he started um, studying the Bible and going to church. And I, him and I are very close, and he would share uh, so many things with us. Because Tony and I, we went to church, and um, I always felt like there was something more. And I, for 15 years, I read the Bible on my own. And I always wondered, like, why is my life not changing? Why does my life not reflect what's in the Bible? And I was in such a quandary for so many years. And we went, and, but Troy would tell, say things to me like, that's false doctrine. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> it was almost like I felt like he was militant about it. So Tony and I said, we have to go check this baptism out to see what he's up to and what we saw was our our son who was his his life was circling the drain we didn't realize until he confessed to us that he was really into heavy heavy drug use and um, he was really unhappy and to see like all of these healthy wholesome people sharing about our son how they knew him so well that um, we watched him be baptized and at that time that's when I knew like I just knew this is for me too and um, I just said please Troy you know I want to get baptized what do I need to do so he says you guys have to start coming to church so I asked Tony I'd like to get baptized and Tony said well just wait till after football season (laughs) (laughs) so we started going to church after uh, football season and and then and Danielle was in my study and I remember we, we had to do the sin study so many times and I was like, oh, the boss lady's here again. Are you do this? <laughs> so I studied for a long time, and it was amazing like how much um, these women laid down their life for me. I mean, it was, it was pretty intense because um, he had guns. <laughs> so, um, but it, it, was, it was an amazing time, it, one of the most special times of my life. And I, I'm just so grateful. And uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, that's good. I'll take it up. Yeah. All right. Um, 
And thank you guys for sharing that because it is amazing. And uh, I was even telling Connor today after we had lunch, just, you know, we're, we'd go to these studies and I would be amazed that they would listen to us. Because at work, they were the chief, right? So that whatever they said, everybody did whatever they wanted them to do, except for those two people ahead of Tony, but they probably weren't as around that much. But just thinking, man, we're, here we are, who are we? And we, we had some pretty intense studies and some challenges and, and everything. And just to know that the Word of God uh, was, was supreme. You know, that it wasn't us, that all we were doing was holding out the Word of God, and that's what they were responding to. And that took a lot of the pressure off of us, even though it was pretty intimidating, but to know that the Word of God uh, gets, can help people out of any situation and help my faith so much to just see His Word at work and how many, peop- how many people we've sat down with that it didn't respond, and then to see their heart to respond was totally inspiring. But I wanted to back up a minute... And just kind of ask you guys what it was like to you to be at that baptism with your son who's getting baptized and you're around. That was the first time you were really around all the, the disciples and the people from the church. So what was it like when you met people in that way for the first time? Um, I can say being in law enforcement, the first thing I did was uh, I got on the computer and queried this church. And <laughs> I was all over this. This is going to be an investigation. OK, uh, but after I read some things about it, I said, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he was all in. And to my surprise, the kids were standing around sharing about my son, things that I didn't even know about. And they, they shared it, how his heart had changed. And we had noticed some of those things, but um, for someone else to see your uh, child through a, through a set of lenses that you as a parent should expect to be able to see them as um, was uh, it was heart changing for me and um, Troy became this very very humble soul and one of my biggest challenges was uh, I was a not a humble guy I was um, one of six kids and uh, in a single family. My mother was single. And um, we all were competing for her love, all six of us. And I was the one that resembled my father the most. So a, a lot of her frustration was taken out on me as a kid. And um, I had, because of that, I uh, struggled and became very prideful. And the toughest thing that I saw Scott and the rest of the guys that were in my study, the biggest problem they were going to have with me was my pride, right? And um, something happened in my study, and it's symbolic of, like, if you take a, a glass plate and you break it into a million pieces, and if you can slowly and methodically and miraculously put that pane of glass back together piece by piece by piece and shine a light through it. It is more vibrant. It is more resilient. It is beautiful. And that's uh, sort of symbolic of what God does when we come to him broken and contrite. Every day he put a piece together and a piece together and, and he restored our marriage. And we're here today because of it. 
Amen. Awesome. Thank you. How about you, Debbie? What was it like for you being there? Uh, it's the same as Tony. Just and I couldn't believe how well these kids knew our son. Um, it's just strange because he was only studying the Bible for a couple of months. And it was like, how do they know? I mean, this is like a lifetime of knowing these intricate details of our son. So, but what the, I think the most profound thing that I saw was that this is, this is truth. And um, all the churches that I went to before, um, I kind of felt uh, like the most overwhelming thing I felt was like hypocrisy. And when Troy was baptized and all the people there, I, I have to say truth that I knew that this was truth and I knew that it was my time too. Amen. Amen. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, sharing so vulnerably as it's hard to do with uh, a lot of people. Um, what, what, what helped you through those challenges? I mean, you had a lot to overcome with different relationships and I know there was some, you know, alcohol use in there and, you know, I mean, what, what helped you to overcome these different challenges as you were studying, going through your, your studies and everything? Uh, a couple things happened. Number one, uh, Debbie and I were newly out of the water, so we were still dealing with our sins. And we had to look at each other every day, understanding that, yeah, that was your sin, this is my sin. And the reality is, it doesn't go away. You still have to deal with it. And we had to find a way to navigate that. And so what we did initially was we went and sought uh, counseling. And uh, we would leave the counseling sessions fighting. Uh, so that didn't work. So what we had to do was uh, rely on God's word. And there's a scripture, Isaiah 55.10, it says, uh, As the snow and the rain comes down to feed the soil and provide uh, seed for the sower, um, so it is with my word. It doesn't come back to me empty. And God's word was for us. If we stayed obedient to him, then all of God's promises, he would not withhold from us. So we clung to that. And, uh, and it was amazing. It was amazing. That's cool. <laughs> so holding on to God's word made your marriage go forward from this place of brokenness. Right. And to add to that, too, Scott, um, we knew that uh, throughout all of this, we still loved each other. The, the love was there. We, we were just uh, broken. We, we felt like uh, we destroyed something that God put together. And I'm sure there's every relationships or a lot of relationships go through these things. And the advice that I would give uh, if you're disciples is um, wash each other in the word every chance you get because something's going to come out of that scripture that's going to resonate. And, you know, Colossians 3, that uh, the gentleman just read earlier, it says, uh, hold on to the things of God. In other words, uh, the... the um, you set your mind and your heart on things above. And when we did that, we could see that God 
was working. When we didn't do that, then that's when we struggled. Amen. Okay, uh, maybe Debbie, uh, how, how did this decision affect others around you, like your family and those around you after you guys started your journey of? Uh, well, honestly, our, our sin, and basically mine, uh, most of my, um, I have just one brother, and Tony's got six brothers and sisters, 15 grandchildren, huge family. And basically, my sin, um, it really, um, this family is very upset with us. And so, it was basically shredded our family into, into ribbons, you know, the sin. And uh, after becoming disciples, um, I think that, you know, they all knew everything that happened between us the, to see the miracle of our marriage being restored. I mean, and not just restored, I mean, just we're happy and joyful. And um, so much so that we just baptized my sister-in-law like a month and a half ago. She was the one that was most angry with me. (laughs) And uh, we have like a sisterhood now. She's my sister in Christ and my sister, and we've never been closer. And I I just, and then our, um, her grandson, which is nephew, is that nephew? Yeah, he wants to start studying the Bible too. Yeah, so it's just, it's like a ripple effect. And I really think that um, there's going to be more to come because there are so many people touched by Cheryl's baptism. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, it's amazing uh, how the very thing that held us back becomes the thing that God uses to be a testimony to him. So a, a bad relationship turned good, and all of a sudden God gets praised, and everyone around us gets to see that. And uh, we're working on his, uh, ne- their nephew in Phoenix with uh, Willie uh, Price out there. And uh, it's just amazing how when you change, everyone around you sees God. And that's the, the power. Sometimes we lose the power of our own personal lives that when you change for God, that you're a light that others see. You may not know that they're watching or they see you. That's not your intent. Their intent wasn't, oh, let's go change so everyone around us could. But as they were pleasing God, they could be a light, which is awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, I think we have some pictures, too. You want to tell us about these? Uh, yeah, that was uh, me and Debbie and uh, a friend, another sister from the Turning Point Church, uh, baptizing my sister Cheryl. That's her in the middle there with her hands up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the nephew that uh, wants to study the Bible. He was so moved by it. Uh, that embrace right there probably lasted about five five minutes. <laughs> And that was uh, Debbie's uh, group of women, powerful group of women that helped her, Cheryl, get through her studies. Amen. Amen. Um, well, I wanted to just open it up for you guys, uh, if you have any messages from your story that you think would be helpful to people here. Um, one, one thing that inspired me uh, through studying the Bible was the impact 
the, the, the change of heart that I have, that we all have to experience in order to receive God's love, right? That was so impactful for me that um, as a retired guy, I got back in school to go to seminary. Uh, I'm in my second semester at um, uh, Liberty University School of Divinity, and I just want to be able to use that in some type of way that uh, will benefit God and uh, bring him glory for all that he's done for me and my family. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. We've been baptized uh, because Tony and I, being together for 32 years, I mean, we've we've made every possible mistake you can make, and God's used what has happened in our life to help other couples. So we we do a lot of premarital counseling and discipling, and we help. I mean, it, it's something that we both love to do. It's it's a our joy, something we get excited to do. And so I, I just know that it's God, and I want to continue helping couples that I think that that's our niche. You know, and I, I just want to encourage, like any marriages that marriages that have trouble, is just open, instead of an argument or a spirited debate, open, <laughs> open your Bible and sit down and, and read the Word together. And... You know, that's what we did. We couldn't, it was so bad in the beginning that we could not speak to each other without being condescending or mean. And what we did instead, the only common ground we had was the Bible and our love for God. So that's what our conversations were all about. And to this day, it's it's a great habit that Tony and I, we just love to talk about God and just his son and, and everything he's done and I just want to encourage everybody just to the closer that you are to God the closer your marriage is and that's pretty much amen amen guys let's give it up guys thanks so much thank you guys that was awesome Hey, man, well, thank you, uh, Tony and Debbie. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm inspired uh, in, in a special way to see the power of God's word, the power of Jesus day after day, even today. It's a modern-day miracle. And to know that a lot of you as disciples, you have those similar stories that you were the people that were studying with the Tonys and Debbies in your lives, right? Obviously, for me, being up here, this is like Christmas for me. Because you see, wow, God could somehow use me to help these guys. But you guys have been used in similar ways and we often forget the power and the people that we've helped are now helping others. You know, so it's amazing to think about. And today as we take communion, I pray that we can really, uh, really focus on the ministry of second chances that God has given us. That we can throw away our pride. Maybe we had it at first, and maybe we picked it up again, and maybe it's time to set it down again and realize, hey, who, who am I? I just, I'm someone that needs to be at the foot of the cross. I'm someone that needs Jesus' blood to forgive me, or I have no hope. And I pray we can have that and really be able to hold out the word of life uh, to those around us. And 
God may be out there saying, hey, go leave your life of sin today. He's not here to judge you. He's not here to throw any stones at you, but He is here to change you and to change our hearts so that we'll be motivated by His love and go, man, imagine that woman leaving Jesus and calling her lover the next day. I mean, that's just like unfathomable. Let's not let His gift be in vain where we're motivated that we say, man, I'm never going back. That is hell to me. I'm not going anywhere near that when God has a whole different plan for my life. And I pray today we can remember that as we remember the night when Jesus was betrayed and he broke the bread. and He passed it around and said, this is my body broken for you. Later on in the meal, he drank the cup of wine. He said, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, I pray that today that we honor him and we are motivated like never before and built up in our faith so that we can be those agents of change, that we can be those people that God uses to make a difference in people's lives like we heard today. So thank you again, guys, for sharing. And uh, let's say a prayer and we'll take our communion together. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your amazing power. Thank you that although you had the power to condemn us, that you chose to save us. That you had the power to tell us all the things that we were doing wrong. And yet you chose to show us the extent of your love and motivate us that way to be able to change. God, thank you for the power that raised Jesus from the dead that can live in each and every one of us. And I thank you so much for your power that we've got to see today. Pray that we remember Jesus in an honorable way as we remember his body and blood. In his name we pray. Amen.